Welcome to That Anxiety Guy, Episode 13, Common Exposure Therapy Mistakes and Misconceptions. everybody, Drew here, thatanxietyguy.com. Thanks, as always, for stopping by to listen. I do appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about exposure therapy. Specifically, we're going to talk about common mistakes and misconceptions surrounding exposure therapy and why, for some people, these can make them feel like exposure either doesn't work for them or that they have somehow failed at it. So let's get started. Let's talk about what exposure therapy is. Exposure therapy is pretty much what it sounds like. Exposure is the act of putting yourself into situations that will intentionally elicit your anxiety and panic symptoms in an effort to desensitize you to them and so that you can learn through direct experience that you do not have to fear them or try to avoid them. So exposure is extremely, extremely effective when it comes to treating phobias. Uh, this includes simple phobias like the fear of heights or the fear of flying. Uh, and since agoraphobia and panic disorder and related issues are phobias, they may not be simple phobias, but they are phobias, exposure has also been shown by mountains of clinical evidence over many decades to be very, very, very effective in dealing with these things. Yet, for some people, they've tried it and either decided that it just doesn't work, uh, it's not going to work for them, or that they somehow were, were failures at it, and that's why it didn't work for them. So I want to look at why that sometimes happens and what we could do to, to try and stop that from happening. So let's take a look at maybe one little um, issue that we should all look at before we even get started, and that is, because this is not just doesn't just relate to exposure therapy, it, it relates to kind of the, the whole overall way that we approach our disorder, and that is, if you think that exposure is not going to work for you, and I, and I hear this often, so I'm going to throw it out there to, to start. If you think that exposure isn't going to work for you or can't possibly work for you because somehow your anxiety is unique, it's different or worse than anyone else's, you're probably not going to have a really good chance of success with exposure and things like cognitive behavior therapy because of that misconception. You're, you really need to rethink that because the odds are really, really high that you're wrong. Uh, many, many people fall into that trap, and you want to check that with yourself before you even get started to make sure you are not stuck in that mindset. Right? Your anxiety is not necessarily unique. We all have our own nuances, but your anxiety isn't necessarily uh, unique, nor is it any worse, special, or more severe than anyone else has been or will ever be. Uh, so you have just as good a chance of succeeding at this as anyone else does, regardless of how severe you think your case is or how long you may have suffered with it. So that's definitely worth looking at before we even get started. But first and foremost, what is probably the number one thing that causes people to either fail at exposure therapy and, and CBT or to just dismiss it as, as ineffective to begin with? That is probably expectations and understanding of goals. So... The goal of exposure therapy is not to make your anxiety or panic symptoms go away. The goal is to actually teach you through direct experience not to fear those things and to change how, re how you react to your panic and your anxiety. That is a huge, huge difference, and you really have to put your brain around that. Right? You've got to buy into that because that's a tremendous difference, and it matters. It matters in a big way. Then I'll illustrate 
I, I talk to many people who will say, you know, I started doing exposure therapy on my own, which is great. It's absolutely a doable thing on your own. I started doing it on my own. I haven't been able to get to the supermarket in years. And I started, I said, that's it. I'm going to the supermarket. And I went once and twice and three times. And the fourth time I went, I gave up because I was still feeling anxious when I was in the supermarket. I was still afraid. I was still panicking. And honestly, that's kind of going to happen. So that's a misunderstanding of what the goals are. So again, the goal is not to make your symptoms go away. The goal is to teach you not to fear them. And the way that works is by exposing yourself to your panic and your anxiety, because in, this, in these phobias, that is what drives the phobia. That's what we're afraid of. So by exposing yourself to your panic, your anxiety, and the symptoms of those things, you learn that they actually won't kill you or even harm you. They're uncomfortable, but you know, by exposing yourself to them at longer and longer and deeper and deeper exposure, you learn through direct experience, because that's how our brains work, that, wow, it's uncomfortable, but it, I really didn't die or, or otherwise was harmed, so I don't have to be afraid of those things. And when you lose the fear, then you start to make progress in a big way. So this is probably the number one misconception is that the People think that somehow this will make their panic go away or make their symptoms go away, and that's not true. And the best analogy I can make here is that if you are afraid to go to sleep because you think there's a monster under your bed, you have two choices. You can either close your eyes really tight and hide under 10 blankets, even in the summer when it's 100 degrees outside and can be uncomfortable, or you can actually look under your bed and see that there's no monster there, and then you don't have to be afraid anymore. So exposure therapy is the act of looking under the bed to see that there's really no monster there so that you don't have to be afraid. So that's the goal. The goal is to learn not to be afraid, not to make your anxiety go away. The second error that I see people make on a regular basis has to do with the time component. Right? So there's a reason why they call this exposure therapy. The key to it is being exposed to the things that you fear. And in, in our case, that would be our anxiety and panic and the symptoms that go along with those things. So you must actually be exposed to them. Exposure means confronting your anxiety and having intimate contact with it. Then each time you do that, you do it for longer than the last. That's the key. So you have to gradually increase the time you spend with your anxiety and panic symptoms without running from them. So driving to the supermarket, I'll keep using the supermarket as an example, driving to the supermarket and running through the supermarket in an effort to get out of there and home as quickly as possible isn't exposure. So you are exposing yourself to the fear, but you're still running from it. And so that's not really exposure. That's just white knuckling your way through a trip to the supermarket and running out of there as fast as possible. And you know, when you get home and you survive, well, again, you're reinforcing the belief that, well, I'm okay because I made it back home. When reality is you could sit in the supermarket for 12 hours. They might think you're weird, but you could sit there for 12 hours and be perfectly fine and perfectly safe. And that's what you have to learn. So doing the hit and run thing at an arm's length is not exposure therapy. You have to get right up in there with your symptoms, right up in there with your anxiety, and you have to let that exposure last for longer and longer times. And many times people miss that part. They think just getting to the supermarket or getting to the shopping mall or getting out of the front door and quickly coming back home or quickly getting back into the safe zone, whatever that may be, is exposure. And that's that's really not in the beginning. It is because your exposure sessions will be very short. So in the beginning, your durations will be very short, but quickly you start to make those longer and longer and longer and longer. So if you're not doing that part of it, then that's a mistake in a big way. All right. So. 
we have to learn through experience that we're in no danger. And the only way to learn is to actually maintain that exposure and not shorten it. Okay, so the third thing I want to go over is, and this is something you don't hear often in life, but in the case of exposure therapy, it's actually true. And that is that quantity is as important as quality. And again, that's that's a rarity to hear that, but it is it is true here. So again, we'll talk about the supermarket. If you are afraid to go to the supermarket, making one trip to the supermarket kind of every week or two weeks on your good days, like when you think you're having a good day and you can handle it, that's not really helping you, right? So quantity is very important. One trip every week or you know, one trip every two weeks just when you feel good isn't really going to get the job done. You actually have to practice this every single day. In fact, as many times a day as you possibly can. And again, depending on what your actually what your activity really is, that may not be practical, but you need to practice this every single day as often as possible because the more exposure, the more direct contact you get with your anxiety and panic symptoms, the faster you actually will overcome your fear. So quantity is as important as quality. One trip to the supermarket every two weeks, if that's what you're afraid to do, is not really going to help you. That's not exposure. That's, that's not. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, now, if it sounds really hard to do this every day or multiple times a day, it is. But unfortunately, that's how it works. You know, effective exposure is always gradual, but it's almost never easy or uncomfortable, right? It's hard work, especially in the early stages. It does get easier as time goes on, but it is hard to do to get the ball rolling. Unfortunately, there's really no way around that. That's just the way it is. So if that sounds difficult, doing this every day or three times a day, it is. But unfortunately, sometimes things are hard to do, and we just have to do them anyway. So let's move on to the next item, and that is what I'm going to call safety devices or safety rituals. Now, these are the things that we think keep us safe from our panic and our anxiety symptoms. And this may be a safe person, like a sibling or a parent or a significant other or a friend or something along those lines. Uh, a safety device could be the rubber band on your wrist or the pack of gum or the snack you always have to have with you when you think you may be in an anxiety uh, producing situation or a bottle of water. You always have to have a bottle. That was me. I always had a bottle of water and a pack of mints with me. I don't know why. I might still bring a bottle of water with me, but just because I like to drink water. Uh, but I used to do the same thing. Whenever I would leave the house, I would always have to have that bottle of water and a pack of mints. And if I didn't, it was a problem. So that's a safety device. Uh, the other thing that is a safety device, and this is this is a hotly debated topic as it is, the whole role of safety devices, safety rituals, and exposure. It's debated as it is, but the most debated part of it is another safety device, and that's medications. Now, generally speaking, we're talking about uh, cognitive behavior therapy and especially exposure, which is a component of CBT. We're generally talking about benzodiazepines and tranquilizers. All right? So many people are on antidepressants, SSRIs, things like Paxil and Zoloft and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, we're talking safety devices and exposure would be uh, Valium or, or Xanax or Ativan or that sort of stuff, um, where you know you need to get out and go to the supermarket and start practicing that, but you panic so you want to take a Valium or an, an Ativan or, or, or a Xanax to take your symptoms away so you could do it. Now, again, most therapists and professionals would probably say that, you know what, if you need that to start, then that's okay. So it's way better to use medications or whatever your safety people, safety devices are to start than to not start at all. So if you absolutely cannot get the ball rolling without having your 
uh, your fiance, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, or your wife with you when you go on your trips to the supermarket and do your exposure, and that's fine. Bring them with you. If you must have uh, have a uh, you know a Xanax with you or take a Xanax before you go, if that's what it's going to take to get the ball rolling, then by all means do it. But just understand that ultimately those safety devices are interfering with your progress. Because in the end, your goal is not to be able to get to the supermarket only if you've taken a Xanax. The goal is to get to the supermarket no matter what, right? That's a way better position to be in as opposed to knowing that, well, yep, I'm good. I can go to the supermarket except only if my mom is with me. So that's not really the ultimate goal. And sooner or later, you do have to start to leave those safety devices behind. So just be aware of that. Uh, and that's another thing that sometimes will make anxi- um, make exposure therapy, I would say, kind of a failure, but you know, where well, it didn't work for me. And part of the reason is that. So just be aware of the role of safety devices. All right. So uh, let's circle back because we're, we're coming up on the 13 minute mark. I want to start wrapping it up. Let's go through this one more time. So we know what exposure therapy is, right? This is the act of systematically increasing your actual exposure, your direct contact with the things you fear. And in our case, that would be our panic, anxiety, and associated symptoms. We know that The goal of that is not to make our symptoms go away, but to teach us not to be afraid of our symptoms, right? That's that's the first thing. We know that our exposure work is like practicing a new skill, and we know that we have to practice for longer and longer time. So there's that time component that sometimes people forget. Right. The hit and run trip to the supermarket isn't really getting the job done if that's if you do that all the time. So your your sessions are going to be very short at the beginning, but they will gradually begin to get longer and longer. And if your sessions are not getting longer and longer, then that's a technical mistake. Right. So we need to be aware of that. And then there's the quantity versus quality. Right. Again, so hit and run is not good. It has to be longer and longer and you must do it as often as possible. So whatever your particular situation is, whether it's maybe walking outside your house down the block or, again, going to a supermarket or a shopping mall or picking your kids up from school, whatever it may be, you need to practice that as often as you possibly and practically can. And it does, does not help us if you're only doing it once every few days, once every week or two when you feel good or having a good day, you think you're up to it, then that's another technical error that will often say, cause people to think that exposure is ineffective for them. And the last thing was our safety devices, whether it's our safe people that we bring with us, our mints, our rubber bands, our music, our medications, whatever it is, understand that ultimately we do, if we're going to really get to the end here, the end goal, which is to be really completely free of, of you know, the shackles of anxiety and panic uh, and not be afraid of them and be able to live a normal life, understand that at some point in the course of your exposure and your CBT, you're going to have to leave your safety devices behind. And that may include medication. Now, one quick note about the medication and leaving that behind. If you have been taking a benzodiazepine like Xanax or Ativan for, on a regular basis, you're taking it every day, every couple of days, and maybe even every couple of days, if you've been taking it for a long time, and a long time could be a month or more, uh, and you're taking it all the time regularly, you can't just stop taking it. I need to say that, right? So if you are regularly taking a tranquilizer, you cannot just decide one day, although your intentions will be good, you cannot decide one day just to stop taking it, right? So you're going to have to work with your doctor on that. So even though you may feel, um, I, I'd like to get going on exposure here and I need to leave that safety device behind, you're correct. But when it comes to the benzos, you can't just stop taking them cold turkey. That could be dangerous. So I need to make that note. That's important, all right? So make sure you're checking and working with your doctor on that stuff if you've been taking it regularly. And in the end, 
if you've decided that exposure didn't work for you or won't work for you, ask yourself if you've fallen into any of these traps that we've talked about. Right? Were you doing the hit and run thing because you just wanted to get back home as soon as possible or get back to your safe zone as soon as possible? Or were you waiting only for the days when you felt good or up to it to do your exposure work and practice? Were you expecting that your anxiety symptoms would somehow go away after five or six trips to the supermarket or the shopping mall? Well, you know, those are very common mistakes that trip up many very, very bright people. So don't feel bad about it. That doesn't make exposure therapy or you or failure. It just means that maybe you just didn't get it quite right the first time around. So if this sounds like you, maybe it's just time to reevaluate things and maybe make a new plan. And you'd be surprised. Success may be right around the corner from you if you just take a little different approach. Right. So I'm going to start wrapping it up here. We're a little over my usual time. I appreciate you stopping by as always. And um, I've been getting more feedback on each episode lately. That's great because it helps improve the podcast. If you have questions, comments, angry rants, suggestions about future episodes, I'd like to hear them. So best place to start is usually on my website, thatanxietyguy.com. Or if you prefer Facebook, it's facebook.com slash thatanxietyguy. You'll find every podcast episode, every video on my website. You can comment right there. Or you can get me on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Tumblr, wherever you feel comfortable, however way you like to communicate with me, it's fine. Whatever it happens to be, in whatever form, uh, I always like to hear it because it certainly helps. And of course, to my iTunes people, I'm going to ask the same favor I ask every week, and that is if you're listening on iTunes and you're subscribed on iTunes, take 15 seconds and give the podcast a rating. Hopefully you think we're worth four or five stars. And if you really think it's helping and you'd like to spread the word, take another 60 seconds and just write a few sentences to why you think the podcast is great. Submit an iTunes review. That really helps spread the word. And most of the traffic for a podcast like this does come through iTunes. And that would be greatly appreciated to help spread the word and get us up higher in the search rankings. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks again for listening. I will see you guys in the next episode. And as always, keep moving forward because every step forward is a good step forward, no matter how small it may be. All right, have a great day.